need you, Jesus, to come and rescue. Where else can I go? I don't know about you, but I could make a list of a lot of places I've tried to go. And yet they have failed every time. Where else can I go? We give God thanks for his faithfulness. Well, I want to welcome you back to part two. Um, If you weren't here, this is part two of of our discussion on... um, on God's will. And how do we discover God's will? And, then, and once we discover God's will, how do, we, how do we walk in God's will? Discovering God's will is not, is not something just for young people. It is something we all ought to be seeking daily in our lives. So if you missed part one, and really the reason we had part two was because there was so much things to talk about in part one. Um, we couldn't get through it all, but um, if you missed that, you can go to our website, sandpointnaz.org. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of this in the first service. I just thought of it now. I feel like I feel like you're watching the debates. You can go to my website at standpointnaz.org, um, and you can listen to part one. I'd encourage you to that because it really it really sets the foundation for where this discussion began. Um, and and if you do that, you'll also hear my very very embarrassing basketball story that I told last week. So. Let's look at our scripture that we've been in the last couple weeks, and we're going to look at this one, the same one again from last week. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10. And I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word this morning. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So last week we dug a little more into the historical aspect of that passage and, and talked about and learned about how that, that this was written to God's people, the Israelites, when they were slaves, when they were being held captive in a 70-year captivity. And God, through Jeremiah, was reassuring them, telling them, I do have a plan for you. I do have a hope for your future. And the incredible thing about Scripture is that even though that was written to a very specific group of people at a specific time, Scripture transcends and can speak right into our life today. Last week we talked about God's general will for your life. Any plan of life has to start there. God's plan, his general will, his big will for every one of us in this room and beyond is that we would accept the forgiveness that he has offered us through Jesus Christ and enter into relationship with him. And and that out of that, we might be a people who who grow in Christ's likeness. And out of that, we might be a people who serve and disciple and love. That's his general will. And there's all kinds of specific ways that that can work out in your life. But that's his big picture. That's the big vision he has for your life. You want to discover God's will? That's the place to begin. We we talked about God's specific will. But don't even begin to think about his specific will until you commit to his general will. 
But his specific will, God has a plan for your life. He's given you talents and resources and, and, and ways to accomplish. He's given you everything you need in order to fulfill the purpose of your life. And the purpose of your life is to accomplish the general will of God and to help others along the way through the specific talents that he's given you to help others come to the knowledge of God's general will in their lives. We talked about we have a choice. We have a choice in, in following God. He's, he's offered this, this choice. We, we talked that God's plan is perfect, a plan to prosper us and a plan to give us hope in a future. But we can choose. We can choose to be a people who don't accept God's general will, don't accept the forgiveness of God and a relationship of God. We can walk away from that. Or we can be a people who accept God's general will. We can step over that line of heaven and, and enter into a relationship, but not yet fully embrace God's specific will, his specific calling in, in our life. And we talked that uh, last week, that's a little like living a life of black and white instead of the technicolor life that God intends for each of us. Last week, I shared the story of when Lake was seven years old and the conversation in the car about his desire to, to do what God wanted him to do with his life and to follow where God would have him go. And, and then we challenged as we thought about that, what if, what, if all of us, what if all of us started to live our lives the way a seven-year-old committed his life to go, to follow God's plan first and foremost. That really is the foundation, and if, if you weren't here, just you can go to the website, invest 20 minutes, and, and listen last week. But let's pick up with the fourth point. It's where we left off last week, was in discovering God's will. That we would live so close to God in our daily lives, that that in spending time with him, not just checking in with him once in a while, but that we would live so close to God in our daily lives, that in spending time with him, it became easier and easier to discern the specific will of God in our lives because as you spend time with him, your heart becomes his heart. Still, in the midst of seeking God, he's given us tools, tools like a brain and experience and the Christian community to help us. So today I want to share the six brief questions that I think you might ask to determine God's specific will in your life in a given situation. Um, these aren't a magic formula. This isn't like you follow this, you'll have it all figured out. But when used with the influence of the leading of the Holy Spirit, I think it could be help. I tell you, I took a lot of grief this week from people who said, you know, when you mentioned the six things, I got my pencil out, and then you said to be continued next week. Um, all week. And so I, I hope you uh, came forgiving me for that. But here's the six. First, are your plans consistent with biblical teaching? God doesn't contradict himself. God isn't going to lead you down a path that, that, that is contrary to his scripture. Now, as we look at this list of six, it might not be that all six you have to fill. I mean, it isn't like there's, again, there's no magic formula. It's not like all six you have to answer it the right way, and then you know you're in God's will. But let me tell you this one. If you can't answer number one right, don't go on to number two. Because we need to run the pursuits of our heart through the filter of his word. The psalmist says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's part of what we're trying to discover. God, what path do you want me on in this particular area of my life? His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God has given us a guidebook, and he will not contradict himself or call you into a place in which his word does not agree. For there are things that the Bible says yes about, and there are things that the Bible says no about. 
you know, people come to me as a pastor all the time and in the midst of specific questions of their life, and they'll ask, well, what do you think I ought to do about this or that? You know, I, I, I'm so thankful that um, all I, most of the time I have to do is say, well, what does Scripture say about that? I don't even have to have the answer. See, this pastoring is a pretty easy deal, really. Um, you know, you just say, what does Scripture say about that? People come, I have a common question. They'll ask me, should I date a person who isn't a believer and sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ? I just say, well, what does Scripture say? I don't have to answer that. What does Scripture say? 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Had somebody a week or so come to me and say, should I be baptized? Well, I don't know. What Scripture say? Mark 16, 16. Looks like Jesus says that you should. And, and it even applies in my own life. You know, like, do I have to love my neighbor who every time they mow their lawn, they blow all their leaves on my sidewalk? <laughs> I wish you were my neighbor, Roger. <laughs> well, what does the word say? Yeah, I guess Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself, and so, yeah, I guess I need to. You see, you can weigh things up against God's word, and if it disagrees with God's word, then it probably, most likely, most definitely, is not God's will. Second, have I prayed and asked God for direction? And I don't mean just kind of checking in, you know, once in a while. I mean, have I prayed? Have I really sat down and asked God for help? Acts chapter 12, Simon Peter is, um, has been arrested. He's thrown into prison. Just before that, James has been put to death. And so, so uh, the Christians think that Peter is going to be put to death as well. So they have a prayer meeting. And so they gather together in a house, and they, and they start praying. Oh, Lord, deliver Peter. Oh, Lord, keep him safe. And in the midst of that prayer meeting, the Lord sends an angel. And that angel sets Peter free. Peter walks out right in front of the guards and everything. He hears about the prayer meeting. So he goes over to the prayer meeting, knocks on the door. We're told that a servant, Rhoda, comes to the door. Apparently, she must have asked who it was because he yells through the door. It's Peter. Let me in. You think you would open the door. But no. She goes to the prayer meeting people who are inside, and she says, hey, hey, I don't want to interrupt. Could you stop praying for just a second? You know how you've been praying for Peter? You know you've been praying for Peter? He's in jail and stuff. He's at the front door. See, if I'd have been in that group, I would have said, why didn't you let him in? Instead, you know what the Christians said? They said, oh, you're wrong. Go back to what you're doing. Don't you understand? We're having a prayer meeting. Peter's in jail. We're praying for him. He's in jail. He's out at the front door. We're praying for him. So they go back to prayer. Oh, Lord, release him. They boldly pray for his safety. The Bible tells us that when they opened the door and they saw Peter there, they were astonished. And, you know, it's easy to throw stones at them until I realize how much of that is my life. How much of those are moments in my life when I pray to God for something and I say, Lord, would you help me in this? Lord, would you provide this? And then he does, and I sit back and go, whoa, how'd that happen? And I think God says, duh. <laughs> for you younger people, that's the kind of things we said in my age uh, when I was growing up. You asked for it. You boldly prayed for it. So be a people who pray, and beyond that, be a people who listen. Three, what do mature Christian friends think? This is an important one. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. 
sometimes, I, I said, sometimes people, just because of being a pastor, people will ask my opinion on things. People who I have no, I've never met before. In fact, they just call the church. And can I talk to a pastor? And they have some huge life decision that they want your help with. Or they see you in town and they just come up and talk to you. And, and because I don't have a relationship with them, I don't know anything about them, I really can't help them in their specific will of what they ought to do. I can talk about God's general will in their life and his, and his big plan for their life. But it reminds us of how important it is that we are a people who live in community. How important it is to be a people who live in relationship and, and to spend time with one another well enough to, to know each other's story so that we can seek counsel. This third question is so important. It's more than just asking. It's actually listening to good counsel of those who are people who are walking close with Jesus. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I, I've noticed a lot of Christians will go and ask their friend a question you know, I'm thinking about this. Should I do this? And, and they don't get the answer they want. So they go to their second friend. And then they go to their 83rd friend. And the 83rd friend says, oh, yeah, you should do that. And they're like, oh, must be the Lord's will. Right? Not listening to the 82 that came before them. See, the problem is too often we're often people who try to take the path of least resistance. I said last week that one of our problems often is, is, is we start from the wrong place. Instead of starting from the place that says, oh God, what would you have me do? We actually go do it and then come back and say, oh God, would you bless what I have done? We're a people who so easily want to take the path of least resistance. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Four, how have the doors opened or closed? Is there a pathway that seems to be opening up? Are there opportunities that seem to be closing? The important part to understand is don't force the door. Don't force it open. Don't force it closed. John 10.2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Has God opened doors for you or is he closing doors for you? Don't force the door. How many people have lived here long enough? It's been, you'd have to be here at least 10 years to, to remember Walker's Donuts downtown, right? Remember Walker's Donuts? There's a handful of you. Well, Walker's Donuts has been, oh, well, you're, a, you're a police officer. Of course you know where the donuts are. Um, so, uh, I couldn't resist. I'll buy you a donut this week, you and me, all right? So, I was... It's been torn down long ago. I actually think that the donut grease actually melted the place, really. is It just kind of disappeared one day. And uh, I was downtown one time, a long time ago, and uh, kind of hungry, and I thought, oh, you know, that kind of sounds good. But I don't know if you, if, if you remember where that was. There was only about three parking spots on the street where you could park. And um, so I said, oh, Lord, if you want me to have a donut, would one of those three parking spots be open? And thanks be to God, the eighth time around the block, <laughs> there was a spot that was open. Don't manipulate the circumstances that you want. Don't push the door or open the door and say it's the will of God when it was really yours to start with. Don't say, um, God, this is what I've done now would you bless it? Instead, start with saying, God, what door would you have me go through? 
I read about somebody this week. They said this. It says, it says it sounds terribly spiritual to say God led me to this. But he said, I'm suspicious of people who say God led me and no one else in their life thinks that's true. Sometimes over the years, people have come and said things to our staff or to me and they'll say, you know what? The Lord has really laid it on my heart that the church ought to start this ministry. I usually have two responses. The first one is, well, if the Lord has laid it on on your heart that the church ought to start this ministry, let me help you understand, you are the church. You could go do that, and the church is doing that. And here's the second. As soon as the Lord lays it on my heart, we'll join you. It's a little like the the guy who um, says to the girl, you know, I think the Lord has told me, and the message from the message from the Lord, I'm supposed to marry you. And the girl responds, Well, as soon as the Lord tells me, I'll give you my phone number. Henry Blackaby said, I don't doubt people's experience, but I often doubt their interpretation of it. Is God opening the door? Or are you? Five, does this decision make sense? Is it wise? Is it logical? God doesn't guarantee that if you follow him that he's going to prevent mistakes. Mistakes teach us. They teach us to be better the next time. See, if God intervened every time we were about to make a mistake, we'd stop thinking about what we were doing. Our, uh, our intellect would grow weak from disuse. But God gave us our intelligence, and he expects us to use it. Just as God gave us scripture and, and lets us use that, and he gives us his Holy Spirit to use that. That's ample um, equipment to face life's decisions. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. God is the one who gives us the capacity to reason. That's a big part of determining his will. And six, do I have peace about the decision? But I got to tell you, that peace does not come instantly. That peace often does not come overnight. It is a process. It comes when you slow down and you quietly listen to God to understand what he has in store for you. So if you've gone through these questions, you've feasted at God's word, you've talked with others, you've sought wise counsel, and you have peace, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's what happens. The peace of Christ can rule in your heart when you're walking in his will. There is contentment, but please do not confuse contentment with it being an easy road. Don't confuse contentment with a smooth, paved way. Because sometimes the call of God takes you on a road that wasn't in the brochure. Sometimes the call of God takes you in a way of a journey Or sometimes the circumstances of life take you in a way in which God comes alongside of you that are hard. And the mark of one who seeks after his will is one who says, Lord, if you you are with me, I can go. I think of Jesus, the picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. He is about to be arrested. The Bible says that, that sweat drops were like blood. It was an intense time of prayer. And he prays out so intently to God, Oh God, can this cup be taken from me? But if not, not what I want, but what you want. 
Not my will, but your will be done. And an amazing thing happens after that. From then on, we see that Jesus has this incredible peace about God's will. He knows what's going to take place, the trials, the beating, the crucifixion, and yet he seems at peace that the Heavenly Father's will will be done. Maybe that's why he concludes his time at the cross by saying, it is finished. Some translations say, it's accomplished. I've done what the Father has called me to do. That's the challenge for us to pray. Not my will, but your will be done. Regardless of how painful it may seem. See, truth be known, when it comes to the daily issues of life, I'm not sure the hardest part is figuring out the will of God. I think maybe the hardest part is actually doing it. Maybe the hardest part is actually submitted to it. His good and perfect will. It's quite a number of years ago, and um, one of our boys got an invitation from a classmate for a birthday party. You know, those come home with a little invitation and a date, and usually with about two days' notice. Um, uh, this one was a little further out, and I looked at the invitation, and we looked at the date, and we realized um, that, that Jamie and I had, had bought some tickets for the kids to go to, to an event we were surprising them with, and, and they couldn't go to the friend's birthday party. So I had to say, well, you can't go. Well, he didn't understand why he couldn't go, and, it didn't, and I finally ended up having to say, I just need you to trust me. It, it will make sense at some point. Just, just trust me. Well, the day before the event, Jamie and I brought the boys in. We told them about the tickets, and they were excited and, and um, maybe even forgot about the birthday party with that. See, because you see, sometimes kids, sometimes kids don't completely understand all that the Father has planned for them. Does that sound familiar? Lord, why did she go back to her old boyfriend? God, why doesn't the house sell? Lord, why did I lose my job? We talked two weeks ago about sometimes the circumstances of life that take place. But, but no matter what circumstance that happened in your life, would you just be reminded that God stands alongside of you and says, just hang in there. Just trust me a little longer. I have plans for you. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans for a future. And you might be mired in some circumstances right now, but that isn't going to take away my plan. His people were slaves at the time. And he says, you slaves, hold on. Have faith. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans and a life for you. I have something in mind for you. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. In everything you do, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's worth repeating. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Maybe it's another day, another opportunity, a daily opportunity for us to be reminded that we need to be a people who crucify our ego and our own selfish pursuits and to think about our future and say, it isn't up to me, it's up to him. And you know, I might even have made, maybe even the plans I've made in my life are things that would honor him. I'm not saying the plans we've made aren't things that would honor him, but but maybe we have to let go of some of those things because it's not our will, it's his. 
You see, our lives have been bought and paid for with a price. That means they're no longer ours. Not my will, but yours. You want to find God's specific will in your life? It starts by living his, generous, his general will. It then continues by walking so close to Jesus that his heart becomes your heart. His thoughts become your thoughts. And then we've looked at some good questions that can help us assess. And finally, by completely submitting your life as one that has been dead and buried with Christ that no longer belongs to ourselves but belongs to him. Not our will, but yours be done. And when we make that daily decision in our life, I think that's when we move from just living in the black and white of life to the amazing technicolor that God intends. I want to invite you as we end this service today in a moment to come to the table. And when we come to the table and we participate in communion together, the Lord's Supper, we, we're reminded of, of this amazing gift of Christ. We're reminded of the Father's amazing grace. We're reminded of the, the brokenness of the cross and the, and the cup that reminds us of the new covenant. And we give thanks for that. When we come to the table, that's, that's part of what we're experiencing. But, but we're also being reminded that we are, a people, we are a people whose life has been bought and paid for. We're a people whose life is not our own any longer, but, but belongs to the God who created us. We're a people with left up to our own. We will end up living the black and white when God has intended for us so much more than we ever thought of. But we do what we think of all those things as we come to the table. But I, I would just encourage you this as you come to the table today. One more thing. Could it be that as you come to the table this morning, as you walk this way, could it be an active way of saying to God, not my will, but yours. Not my plan, but yours. And once again on this January 14th, or February 14th, 2016, to make a decision, the same decision we have to make day after day. I choose this day to follow you more than anything else in my life. Whatever my plans be, I'll set them aside. Because what I want more than anything with the future that is left is to live in the dead epicenter, in the bullseye of your plan. As we come to the table, let's give thanks. Father, we're reminded this morning of your good gifts, of your good grace, and your good love. We're reminded of the gift of Jesus Christ, the brokenness of the bread and the cup of the new covenant. We're reminded that we, we have been redeemed, but that we've been saved for a purpose. Not only your general will to know you and be in relationship with you, but, to, but the purpose that you have gifted us for. So as we come to your table today, we come with thanksgiving, but we come one more time submitting and saying, not my will, but yours. Oh, we come to the table as a people redeemed in joy. If there be anything in us today that we need to surrender, 
then we lay it down. Because all we want is you. In Jesus' name we pray. Trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. To Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now, I surrender all, I surrender To Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power, let Thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all, I surrender.
bread that reminds us of the brokenness and the cup which gives hope. Jesus settled it that he would follow the will of the Father before he went to the cross. May we settle we will follow where he leads. Thanks be to God. Father, not our will, but yours. Not our plan, but yours. Even the good plans of our hand, which might seem to bless. We pause and say, not our ways, but yours. What we want more than anything is that we could really live into the life you intended us to live. A life in living technicolor, a life full of your spirit and hope and grace. But no matter what road we are on, we find that you are with us. So God, our prayer is this today. We surrender all that other stuff and we lean in to the good, good Father. Lead us, shape us. May we be a people who follow after you in all that we do. May we leave this place being reminded that you go with us and that you're rooting for us and that you stand alongside of us And even in the midst of our circumstance, you say, hold on, I have plans for you. Plans of a hope and a future. Oh God, thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace. And how awesome it is to be called a child of the King. Help us daily to lay aside ourselves. We want your way, not ours. And I wonder as we leave this morning if maybe you would just stand with me and let's, let's sing that chorus just as, as boldly as we possibly can. As a reminder this week, we want to go in his way, not ours, and that he will be faithful and he will be with us. Let's sing it together. I surrender all I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Oh God, help us live those words. Help us pray that prayer tomorrow morning, and Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning, and every day beyond. We want to go in Your way. Now go in his peace. Amen. See you.
defend my righteousness, oh God.